welcome to Line by Line, where we delve into the creative world of the visual and performing arts. I'm Dr. Tony Rayo Sutherland. Uh, if you're watching us on HCC TV, uh, or if you're looking at us on YouTube or social media, don't forget to go to the iTunes and you can download our podcast there. It's hccs.edu slash podcasts. Now, back to line to line, or line by line. Um, we're going to talk today about drama, but we will talk about all kinds of things as we go along. It'll be music, dance, art, all kinds of things. But today, we're going to honor William Shakespeare <laughs> and his drama. And we're going to also talk to Professor Michael Flanagan. Hello. From, from HCC. And your student, who is Jay. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and your last name is? Almonasi. There you go. That's why he said his name. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for um, having us. Tell us a little bit. Now, Michael, you're not necessarily from this area. You're from another area. Tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you came here. Sure. I, I was born and raised here, but that was a long time ago. Oh, okay. Um, and then I was and moved to New York. And for about 25 years, I was teaching and directing theater uh, in and around New York City. Um, and then got a little bored, wanted to try something else, and so reached out to see what might be out there and uh, had a great opportunity to come here and do this, and it's been great. Jay, uh, are you a drama major? Or? Yes, I, I am a drama major. This is my third semester as a drama major here. Wonderful. So. Why did you pick drama? Uh, I didn't start acting until the fall of 2017, mm -hmm. uh, my senior year of high school, but I fell in love with it, and ever since I've been doing it. Very good, very good. Well, um, what we're about to talk about today is a play that you chose to direct. Mm -hmm. It's Shakespeare, Measure for Measure. Um, tell me, why did you choose Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly the easiest kind of play to, to it's, direct. It's true um, as far as starting out, but I think what um, we've discovered in the process and what often happens is that it's got a, a level of depth that's interesting to discover. Um, and as long as you start at the beginning of the process with exploring the language and start asking the, the kind of simple questions of what does this mean? And then what do we do to find what it means? Um, and not be the person in the room who kind of just looks at everyone and says, now when you say that, here's what it means. Because then everyone falls asleep and they're angry and it all falls apart mm -hmm. and then we cancel the play and get more sleep. Um, but instead it's just kind of, um, you know, for example, those first few weeks at the table, um, we had stacks of books of Shakespeare lexicon that would de define the terms and various interpretations of the script that would um, give examples of what some of the terms and phrases and ideas might mean. Um, and once you get that, it turns out that it's, it's relevant and direct and doable and interesting. So Jay, what did you think about trying out for a Shakespearean play? I was extremely nervous. I, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to show up, but I did. And <laughs> I'm glad that I did because I've enjoyed the process ever since. Okay. Um, so does it take longer to try to prepare for a Shakespearean play with actors who are not used to that? You have to do extra time. What do you do to help them? Um, a lot of time. 
it, it, it does take longer, but um, were you to come to one of our rehearsals, there would be a main rehearsal going on in the theater where we're doing a scene. Pick a scene from the play and we're asking questions, start at the table, talk, and then get up on its feet. And at the same time, there are 12 people in the lobby sitting with text and books and going over their lines and asking those questions of each other. Um, what does this mean? And then starting to memorize. Um, and it's, it's one of the kind of most crowded, noisiest rehearsal environments you can walk into. It's more like doing a musical, where in one room people are working on a song, and in the other room people are working on the dance and so on. Um, and knowing that going in, we just set up the time so that it could happen, so that three actors could be in the theater, and then 12 could be out and we'd switch. Um, and I think if you didn't do that, um, you'd be pretty much underwater at this point. <laughs> yes. Well, Jay, tell me, um, what is something that you've learned by doing a Shakespearean play? Uh, I think I learned to appreciate it more. Uh, as a, like in high school, you would like read it, and just be like, I don't know what this man is talking about. <laughs> uh, but like actually taking the time and acting it out and actually picking apart what's being said, it's just a greater appreciation for it, for sure. So, uh, what is the hardest thing about it? The lines. Um, <laughs> uh, memorizing can be very challenging to it. You know, you just have these big paragraphs of words that sometimes you don't know what it means until you actually dive in into it. So, that's the hardest, but it's also the funnest and most rewarding part of it. What's helped you learn that and overcome that? Uh, just the resources that Flanagan has gave us, like the lexicon, the Arden, the Folger, all that. Just just reading, just reading while I'm like on my way home. I just bust out one of those and read and see what something else I can learn. Now, when you say lexicon and all that, explain to the audience what you're talking about. Well, the lexicon is a Shakespearean dictionary, mm -hmm. is what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and the Folger and the Arden are like the, the scholars that interpret what's been written by Shakespeare and stuff. And it helps you get a basis of it. And you, sometimes you don't copy paste what you just read and you like develop your own interpretation from it from there okay very good um so tell me uh, a little bit about uh i know that he does a lot of we're not going to go into it deep but i know he does uh mostly verse with some prose uh how do you work with them uh the students to help them say the language in the beautiful way that shakespeare wrote it it's um, what you find as you start to dig in and do it is that it's, it's beautiful language and there are certainly large sections that are, are some of the best poetry in the English language. Mm -hmm. um, but there are other sections also in verse that serve to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's teaching actors a craft that, that they would need no matter what play that they were doing, which is to tell the story. What in the words and the text that I'm using can get this across to my scene partner and to the audience. Um, so for those, it's just kind of, you know, asking what do these words mean and pointing out a phrase and what can you do with this and use those words and see what you can do. Um, and then uh, adjusting and playing and kind of coaching along. Um, and for some of the more complicated, uh, and I, I do want to put this out there, it would be bad if I left without it, that uh, Ed Muth has helped us as vocal coach. Vocal coach. Um, so a vocal coach is very important. What does that vocal coach do? What, what, what's his job? He focuses almost entirely on the script and the text itself okay. and kind of getting into what techniques can you use to bring out what the, the meaning of the script is and the okay. words and how to perform it so that you understand it, your scene partner understands it, and then the audience understands it. And then one other thing we'll talk about later is uh, 
it's not just acting. There's a whole lot of other things that go into, as a director, uh, lighting, sound, costumes. Mm. How, you, you have help with that, I hope. Yes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have chosen this play or any play if I didn't have help. Um, uh, uh, directing in, in a really big, bad way is collaborating and being right. able to work with other artists. And that's one of the exciting parts for me, is to get to find a costume designer and kind of talk about what do you want to do. Um, and James Thomas, our set designer, and Lorella Cobb, our lighting designer, we get to sit down and just kind of look at an empty space and talk about what do we want to do with it. And that's fun and exciting. Whereas if I sat and just did it on my own, I would uh, have nightmares and throw a book across the room and <laughs> call it a night. Yes, I think, I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit about one of the scenes. Uh, it will be a table reading, but you'll get a flavor for it. And then when we come back, we'll talk to the students and to Michael a little bit more about how this all comes about. to see what it's like to see a table read of Shakespeare, specifically Measure to Measure, and it's Act Two, Scene Four. How now, fair maid? I am come to know your pleasure. That you might come to know it would much better please me than to demand what is. Your brother cannot live. Even so, heaven keep your honor. Yet he may live a while. And it may be as long as you or I, yet he must die. Under your sentence? Yea. When? I beseech you that in his reprieve, longer or shorter, he may be so fitted that his soul sicken not. Ha! Fie! These filthy vices. It were as good to pardon him that hath from nature stolen a man already made, as to remit their saucy sweetness that do coin God's image in stamps that are forbid. To set down so in heaven, but not in earth. Say you so. Then I shall oppose you quickly. Which had you rather, that the most just law now took your brother's life, or to redeem him, give up your body to such sweet uncleanliness as she that he hath stained? Sir, believe this, I had rather give my body than my soul. I talk not of your soul. How say you? Answer to this. I, now the voice of the recorded law, pronounce a sentence on your brother's life. Might there not be a charity in sin to save this brother's life? Please you to do it. I'll take it as a peril to my soul. It is no sin at all, but charity. Please you to do it, at peril of your soul. We're equal poise of sin and charity. 
that I do beg his life. If it be sin, heaven let me bear it. You granting of my suit, if that be sin, I'll make it my mourn prayer to have it added to the faults of mine and nothing of your answer. Nay. But hear me, your sense pursues not mine. Either you are ignorant or seem so crafty, and that's not good. Let me be ignorant and in nothing good, but graciously to know I am no better. But mark me to be received plain. I'll speak more gross. Your brother is to die. True. Admit no other way to save him, as I subscribe not that nor any other, but in the loss of question that you, his sister, finding yourself desired of such a person whose credit with the judge or own great place could fetch your brother from the manacles of the all-binding law, and that there were no earthly mean to save him, but that either you must lay down the treasures of your body to that supposed, or else let him suffer, what would you do? As much for my poor brother as myself, that is where I under the terms of death, the impression of keen whips I'd wear as rubies and strip myself to death as to a bed that longing have been sick for ere I'd yield my body up to shame. Then must your brother die. And twere the cheaper way. Better were a brother died at once than that a sister by redeeming him should die forever. <laughs> were not then you as cruel as the sentence that you have slandered so? Ignomy and ransom and free pardon are of two houses. Lawful mercy is nothing kin to foul redemption. <laughs> you seemed of late to make the law a tyrant, and rather proved the slighting of your brother a merriment than a vice. Oh, pardon me, my lord. It oft falls out to have what we have. We speak not what we mean. I something do excuse the thing I hate, for his advantage that I dearly love. We are all frail. Else let my brother die, if not a fettery that only he owe and succeed thy weakness. Nay, women are frail too. Aye, as the glasses where they view themselves, which are as easy broke as they make forms. Women, help heaven, men their creation mar in profiting by them. Nay, call us ten times frail, for we are soft as our complexions are, and credulous to false prints. Let me be bold. I do arrest your words. Be that you are, that is, a woman. If you be more, you're none. If you be one, as you are well expressed by all external warrants, show it now by putting on the desired delivery. I have no tongue but one. Gentle, my lord, let me entreat you speak the former language. Plainly conceive I love you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was, uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, scene for those who may not be so familiar. What, give us a little background on how does this scene come about? Okay, so Angelo is a official, he's been put in power by the Duke. The Duke has now escaped and he's left town. And now Angelo has to hold down everything for everybody. So now Angelo is being corrupted. Mm -hmm. uh, there are parts in this play where he is of a very strong constitution and he is weakened by this maid. Power stricken? Yes. <laughs> he's power, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily power stricken. He really does not want the position, if right. you think about it. Um, there are laws that are passed down from a chain of command, and they finally hit this, uh, this municipality. And then you're being forced to enforce this law, and no one else wants to enforce the law, and now Angelo is forced to do it. So Angelo goes from a person who is just a simple layman and everything like that into being thrust into power. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way you could say uh, this is power corrupting a person, what power can corrupt okay. and what it does if put in the wrong uh, position. 
and he finds a weakness in himself. Yes. And what is that weakness? That weakness <laughs> is Isabella, who is a... <laughs> The temptress. The, the, the temptress. She doesn't need to be. <laughs> and, and she really doesn't. It's just he is, um, I would like to say that he's kind of, he, he has a sapiosexual relationship with her. He's yes. very intellectually drawn to her. Mm -hmm. No one can literally work with him. And he finds other people a little bit beneath him, even though he doesn't say that he finds them beneath him. And now he's met his match. So... And from Isabella's yeah. point of view, what is she, what is she trying? Well, we know she's trying to save her uh, yeah. brother's life, but what is her connection with him? Her connection with Angelo, I think it's kind of just like the base is just, I don't want anything else from you. Just save my brother. That's all she's going in there to do. And then he's just trying to get with her and she's just like, I don't yes. want to be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, have yeah. any of you ever performed... Shakespeare before I haven't. This is I first. haven't. This is my first as well. Yeah. What What does it feel like to do Shakespeare? Shakespeare feels every day is something new. Yeah. Now I, I could I could say that every yeah. day is something new. You approach the character one way. When we first did the table read, it felt like I understood where this was, and then you start to break down the lexicon, and then you start to break down everything else that is dealing with understanding the language, and it's like, oh wow. So didn't I know didn't that's understand. what that meant. Exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, very good. What um, What are some things that you've learned from doing this, like memorizing lines? How are you doing that? Okay. You. Okay. So my vocal coach taught me a trick when I told her that I got the role, mm -hmm. and it was to take the first letter of each word and write it down with the punctuation, and that has been monumental in me memorizing and I taught it to him yesterday because yes. he was struggling really hard and he texted me he was like I'm not going to be mean to you anymore this is working so well <laughs> so <laughs> like, it works. yeah it does work for sure it works very yeah. good now the idea that Shakespeare uh, speaks in verse most of the time not all the time but most of the time how is that working for you and getting into character it is extremely poetic um, I would say that prior to using that technique I was basically writing it out and I would just lock myself away with that. So getting into the character, Angelo is layered. He is a very layered character. And I think at the base, you could say he's a creep. But if you really get into what type of responsibility he now has to take on, the people he now has to look over, and the law he now has to enforce, and then his sordid love life outside of this, because it gets very deep as you go on to different acts, mm -hmm. it makes you understand the complexity of where he is, not just as a court official or a dignitary, but literally as a human being. And the fact that Measure for Measure has five acts? Yes. It does. Yes, it's more yeah. than what we normally think of as three-act plays. Mm -hmm. he, does, yes. he has a lot. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, you guys, your experience, a little bit about Shakespeare and about Houston Community College drama when we come back. I've seen people's lives change just by attending a class at HCC. Some of them might not have the financial means to go to a four-year university. That doesn't make them any less quote-unquote smart than the kids who go to a four-year school. HCC is easy to get to. It's easy to apply and easy to become a part of. It gave me so much confidence. 
Once you finish your two years there, you can transition into a four-year university or go into the workforce. It's affordable, it's accessible, it changes lives. Meet Lisa. When she's not moving to a Zydeco beat, she's making moves towards a better job with a nursing degree from Houston Community College. Ça c'est bon, Lisa. HCC, for everyone, anytime. Welcome back to Line by Line. Now, we just saw a wonderful performance, and we have the two actors back, actress and actor, and it's Lauren mm -hmm. and Gabe. Yes. Okay. And then their professor. Mike <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even give me a chance to not remember. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the play. Um, that was a great performance. What did y'all do... Uh, there's something important when two people are acting together called ensemble, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me a little bit about how did you help the students learn how to work together and then how did y'all work on that? All right. We, we spent a lot of time first at the table and just asking questions. Where were you before this? What, what was going on? Who are you? What, uh, the big one is always what do you need from the other person? Mm -hmm. um, and when you start talking in terms of what do I need this person to do for me, it immediately starts requiring you to come at the person with something, to play something that will make them come back. Um, and we would spend whatever time was necessary at a table. Uh, if we had a four-hour rehearsal and we didn't feel like getting up and blocking and moving things around for four hours, we would spend four hours at the table. Um, and that just on its own will create those relationships and, and an understanding and uh, let, letting them try things. Okay. Just what if, what if I try this with this scene? Sure, try it. So how did y'all, how did that work for you? Okay, uh, for me, it was very interesting uh, because the first table read that we did, I was like, I'm really not feeling the character. And then I went home and then I started to think about what, what I just got through reading. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to class because many of us take the same classes and everybody was like, oh my God, He's crazy, oh my God. And I didn't realize that that was the, that's what I was giving off when I was performing. You were taking on the character in normal life. Without realizing <laughs> it. And what I did not realize was that I was actually screaming at Lauren across the table with some of the lines. And I was screaming at different actors with the lines. So when I began to understand that, I was like, oh, okay, so I, I, think, I think I understand it. And then it's like the, the other table readings, you create that camaraderie because you're dealing with everybody else and they are interpreting you and you're interpreting them. So the, outside of my role, it's like, I love what Isabella brings. I love what the Duke brings. I love what Pompey especially. I laugh at Pompey. I laugh at a lot of the other roles too. So I think it's like understanding, you know, the comedy and what he did and the brilliance of the people around you and you feed off that energy, so. Yeah, that table work did wonders. Yeah. So <laughs> that's really where the whole ensemble thing came apart um, and also just getting to know your castmates and getting that close relationship with them does wonders too like you can just work with them and just just that chemistry is unbreakable mm. yeah well tell me um now we call measure for measure a comedy but i know that isabella is uh, yeah. fighting for her uh, brother's life mm -hmm. how is that a comedy explain that it's really 
it is a comedy in some aspects, but I feel like it should be more accurate, accurately depicted as a dramedy because <laughs> I feel like most of the scenes that I'm in are more dramatic than they are comedy, but I get, yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let the professor Yeah, let's explain. let him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, it all started. No, um, it, it's a comedy, but it's also known as one of his problem plays. And the problem plays don't fit into a category as easy as some for various reasons. Um, and the, the gist of it is if he writes a tragedy, everyone's dead at the end. If he writes a comedy, everyone's married at the end. Right. And um, then we all go home happy. Um, with this play, it's a comedy, but it doesn't necessarily have the comedic beats throughout that you might expect. And the ending is a little, um, it's a problem. Um, and we're having fun solving the problem, but it's not necessarily as simple as, oh, everyone's happy and running off married. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell me, um, can you guys relate to what was going on in this play that Shakespeare wrote to anything that might be happening today? Yes. You want to yeah. explain that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of uh, corruption, if you would, like from a from a macro level. There's a lot of corruption from the government. There is this law that is pushed out. You know, where they're actually legislating the body. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can look at it from that standpoint, there's elements of Me Too that are in this. There are mm -hmm. elements of uh, judicial corruption. There are elements of uh, power that cannot control power. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, people who are feeble for Angelo's, you know, Angelo's character. He's mm -hmm. actually feeble. And mm -hmm. I think he he, pres he presents a strength, but he really does not want to do what he is being called to do. Right. Nor does the Duke without taking it away from the Duke. Everybody <laughs> is running away from power. Yeah. And it falls on one person. And that's just the way I see yeah. it. Is there anything? Yeah, the Me Too movement and the problem of sexual harassment today is a huge epidemic. Mm -hmm. And I think this play touches on it really well from the female standpoint of Isabella because she just wants to save her brother's life. And then Angelo comes in and he's like, only if you. <laughs> yes. Fuck there's me. a price. Yeah, yeah, there's a price for it. <laughs> and she essentially, like, makes up a plan mm -hmm. to do that and yeah I think the, that kind of not that exact situation but I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that in some way whether it be small or big yeah. yes and um, the audience uh, how do you think the audience may interpret all this how do you think um, the they're going to come away with this or what do you want them to come away with they're going to love it. <laughs> yes, They're they going to think so. it's one of the greatest things they've seen in HCC <laughs> drama. Um, I, I think they're going to, um, if we do our jobs well, and, and we're in the middle of the rehearsal process now and really doing our, our jobs well, they'll connect to everything Gabe and Lauren were just talking about. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I chose this particular play, I read it over the summer, and um, it was so relevant and so connected to everything and everything that's going on now and who we are now. Um, that it doesn't feel like it was written 400 years ago. It feels like it could have been written two years ago and is yeah. still relevant now. Um, and I think that's really going to resonate with the audience. Very good. Real quickly, we have less than 30 seconds. Tell people where they can go to see this play. They can go to Houston Community College Central Location in Theater One. 
Um, tickets will be available online on the events calendar, and uh, there will be tickets at the door for people who, uh, if it looks sold out online, there are tickets being held at the door for the next 15 people. Okay, that's excellent. Well, you heard it here. Um, that's it for line by line for this time, but watch us next time. And remember, it's hccs.edu slash podcast. And you can see all the different things we're going to talk about, about visual arts and performing arts. So see you next time.